0: Hello everybody, Kyle here. Welcome back to Chaos and Shadow. I am joined by my co-host Pagan today and we are going to be telling you all a very cool story that's been making headlines recently. It is the story of the USS Kid, a Navy vessel off the coast of California that was swarmed by drones. Pagan, welcome to the show. Good to have you today.
1: It's good to be here. It's always fun to do our shows together.
0: It really is. And this is a story that we weren't we weren't sure what to fit in this week, but this is going to be really good. It just it came, you know, right right to our laps because um this let's see when did this article actually hit march 23rd and we're recording this on the 28th so yeah it just came out earlier this week uh this is by the drive which uh it's called multiple destroyers were swarmed by mysterious drones off california over numerous nights this is going to be an article that's uh super duper up our alley because you and i talked about this what, throughout the Skinwalker, and we talked about mm-hmm. the, the USS Nimitz incident before in, in various platforms and places, I want to say. Yes. So this is kind of have... coming back around to our turf.
1: And it's really interesting because California gets a lot of interesting aerial activity. Yeah. <laughs> um, You know, obviously, we have the, the attack on Los Angeles, and then we have all of the other UFF Oh, kind of things that we see off the coast. I believe off of San Francisco. I believe it's where it's at. I would have to double check that. But there, you know, they see these UFOs that would go into the water and they come out of caves and all this. So it's not too out there to really think about. You know, our military being buzzed by, and we say "quote unquote" drones.
0: Yeah, yeah. So uh, I think the two that you were talking about there, uh, the uh, what Catalina Islands, I think, were the ones. Yes, that's the one. So that actually is going to be right in the same vicinity we're talking about today. Both of those islands are right off of Los Angeles uh, and uh, just a little bit south of L.A., south to the point that you start getting into some of the San Diego area there. Um, yes. Which is why this story gets even more pressing because I want to say... So the Nimitz one was released in 2017. It broke headlines, but it actually, or was that 2015 now? I'm looking it up, everyone. USS Nimitz. I want to see when this came out, because that was a New York Times that broke this. So yeah, that came out about 2017. Uh, but those, those reports came from prior. It's, it's actually tricky. I'm trying to look it up on the side, but there have been so many recent news breaks from the new york times referring to uaps which uh, unidentified aerial phenomena the new word for ufos there's a lot of that going on i guess pegan also before we get into the meat and potatoes of this story right off the top i'll tell people if if you're very much in the ufo vein we have some really cool interviews coming up about that subject One with our good Mm -hmm. friend Katie Webb. She's been on the program before, and this time she's going to come back because she had a a really cool Bigfoot story she gave us. But she also, in that episode, teased some uh, UFO encounter type stuff. So very excited to hear her input. And then Tanya Derenberger daughter of Woodrow Derenberger, Woody Derenberger being the man who wrote Visitors uh, from Lanulose meeting Indrid Cold along the side of the highway. So Tanya Derenberger claims to have had contact with Indrid, his crew, and continues to have that contact. So we're going to be asking her some questions about that. That'll be coming up uh, later in the month of April. If you have questions for her, please feel free to go over to revelatornetwork.com forward slash, subs- oh, not subscribe, forward slash contact, and you can drop us a line for some of those questions.
1: <laughs> uh. Please tell us all your questions for those, because obviously we would love to hear what you guys want to ask, as well as, you know, we always have questions, but we also like to, you know, ask some of yours.
0: Absolutely. We like to get them involved. Uh, That being said, though, if you do want to go up and check out the membership section, the subscriber section, it is really cool and growing. We've got exclusive blog posts going on there. We also have been putting together an investigative team, a team of volunteers who are looking to do some guest blogging and all kinds of cool stuff. I've been sitting down and doing one-on-one calls with them and the team is going to be awesome. These are people that I've been working with on Twitter for like the last year. Super, super mm-hmm. cool, super dedicated to what they're doing. A lot of them are bringing uh, formal education in like academic fields that very much apply to this. Um, people that are formally trained in anthropology. We have people that have actually gone through taps training, like the uh, taps, ghost hunter stuff. Like, really kind of this neat amalgamation of of cool abilities and uh i i really am amped to see where that takes everyone that's gonna be so awesome yeah so expect cool stuff up on the blog expect a lot of uh expect us on this program to benefit a lot from that because we're gonna Mm -hmm. we're gonna get a lot from that team now back into our episode for today so what the heck is going on? I'm going to read right the intros from the drive. Uh, it says, quote, in J- uh, July of 2019, a truly bizarre series of events unfolded around California's Channel Islands. Over a number of days, groups of unidentified aircraft, with th- which the U.S. Navy simply refers to as drones or UAVs, pursued that service's vessels, prompting a high-level investigation. Woohoo. Okay, so let's break that down. So first of all, we're talking California's Channel Islands. This is off uh, off of Los Angeles, about 100 miles or so. You're getting into that Catalina Island area. It's, uh, again, very high UFO activity spot from both Mm -hmm. the Nimitz reports and stuff that came out before and from a lot of observers, like a lot of people in the southern california area always report lights and such off of the ocean there a lot of it's uh, always you know shot it up to it just being lights in the sky of some kind of uh, reflection or whatever but in this case of actual having navy vessels here really starts to solidify it because we're talking as many as 6 of these uavs or unmanned drones or whatever word they're feeling comfortable with these days 6 of them were reported swarming multiple navy vessels over multiple nights. Mhm.
1: Yeah. And the interesting aspect about those drones too is in the article it actually stated that they were maneuvering very oddly, yeah. not in a normal way that a normal drone that's being controlled by somebody would move. It was almost kind of like as if they had a mind of their own and they were maneuvering that way. So it really does kind of set apart from a civilian drone versus a military drone versus something else. Indeed. And that something else is what we're kind of leaning towards with this because... These are very unexplained. And I will make it very clear that the article
0: does not imply that just just for the sake of, you know, journalistic integrity and all that. I was yes. very impressed. They did not make any leaps to this being any sort of alien craft or anything of that nature. So uh, as they will leave this off, there's a lot of talk. I mean, again, this goes back to a lot of the, the stuff with the um, tip program, all these Things that are coming out from the Pentagon saying they have been looking into these lights in the sky. Uh, A lot of it's thought to be foreign powers that may have made a technological leap. At least that's the military and the Navy and, you know, that's the armed (laughs) forces uh, words. So in this case, yeah, it makes it a weird one because we are looking at multiple drones, which means more than one pilot. Uh, We're looking at prolonged periods of time in low visibility conditions because these encounters, we're going to get into the very thick meat of them in a second here, but these encounters took place for over an hour at a time. And most commercial drones, especially the ones we're going to talk about here, uh, only have about a 30 minute lifespan in the air. So uh, what was in the vicinity and could be a culprit doesn't actually fit. They would just plummet out of the sky by that point. Uh, they are performing these really intense brazen maneuvers off of the Navy warships in the sensitive military training area. So that is a no-no on its own. You know, that that has restrictions of no flight. Um, there were multiple ships again. So we got multiple U.S. Navy destroyers. Uh, we have the USS Rafael Peralta. We have the USS Russell, the USS John Finn, and the USS Paul Hamilton all in the area with the USS Kidd. Mm-hmm. The investigation itself is going to take off here, too. It, it, this is where this story gets a lot of traction is we're actually going to be talking about uh, communication reports between some of the Navy's highest intelligence branches, the Coast Guard and the Los Angeles FBI branch getting involved to shed some light on the situation. It's a it's a it's a big one. It's a big one.
1: It is. It is. It's quite a doozy to think about that. You know, obviously, the military branches all have their own form of uh intelligence and investigation services. But the fact that they had to kind of work together to kind of piece this together to see if they could find out some kind of explanation for it is very interesting. Very, very interesting.
0: It's definitely going to prove so. So this kicks off on the first night, July 14th of 2019. Also, I hope this will help people summarize this this article a bit. We're going to we're going to chop it down. There's a lot going on in there. We're going to try and keep it to the most bullet points. So uh, this if you've had a hard time trying to piece it together visually, I hope this can help. So July 14, 2019 begins with a UAV being sighted by the USS Kidd around 10 p.m. Deck logs show that Snoopy teams were sent to investigate. These Snoopy teams uh, stand for ship, nautical, or otherwise photographic, interpretation uh, and exploitation team so these snoopy teams are <laughs> basically manned observer teams that are dispatched to different areas of the ship sometimes carrying like a commercial grade uh, video hardware and stuff i mean I, I in some of these pictures you see them holding camcorders i don't know what they hold these days in the time of modern cell phones but Either way, they go out, they look at things, they kind of bring it back to command. A lot easier, like, these ships have huge sensor relays on them, but that stuff's meant for counter, you know, or it's meant for surveillance and all kinds of things like that. Not necessarily finding little tiny, like, kind of drones flying off in the distance or kind of whatever they need these dynamic Snoopy teams for. So 15 minutes after the USS Kid uh, deploys the first Snoopy team, the boat goes into what they call MCON or emissions control mode. So they start cutting down on their electronic emissions, uh, not as much radio contact to cut down on profile. Now, I'm not sure if that was part of a I believe that is part of like the 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 exercise they were going through out there. But that wasn't really said. So it does leave a, a part of my mind wondering, was the MCON emissions control because of a sighting of drones? Like, is that, I don't know how seriously they take that sort of stuff. Like, do you see a thing and then go into MCON or was that just practice off the coat? Hard to say.
1: Well, from my knowledge, and my knowledge is very limited. So if there's any listeners out there that would know this answer, please let us know. We would love to hear, you know, why that actually takes place. Uh, I do know that if there's some sort of unexplained event and they can't track where, say a plane or in this case a drone or or something is coming from uh i do know that sometimes they will kind of go a little bit like radio silent just to make sure they're not being i guess spied on by someone else bingo that is exactly the point of a mission control right there so
0: i don't know if that was because they they saw that or if it was because of training that was already taking place but i either way i'll leave that door open uh, for someone that might know a little bit better, the USS Kid then warns the Rafael Peralta and they activate their own Snoopy team following. At this time, the USS John Finn shuts off their AIS transponder. So that made it a lot harder for the drive to actually try and correlate where these ships were because they just have one less tracking location showing up. And this one caught your eye, Pig, and there was a flashing red light that's spotted by the john finn uh, shortly after the initial sightings this is about 30 minutes into it that'd be about 10 30 p.m about when they start seeing something red flashing in the sky Mm -hmm. and then white lights
1: yeah there was white lights too i was gonna say that the white lights and the red lights really caught my attention with this and made it kind of go huh Okay. And this is something that we do see in this area quite a bit. Are these flashing lights, these lights that are from unexplained sources. So the fact that they're seeing them over the deck and they don't know officially the causes, that makes them very interesting.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm fascinated because that white light uh, goes near the, the USS Rafael Peralta's flight deck. So a little quote here from the article, they say, quote, The log reflects that the drone managed to match the destroyer's speed with the craft moving at 16 knots in order to maintain a hovering position over the ship's helicopter landing pad. To further complicate what was already complex maneuver, the drone was operating in low visibility conditions less than one nautical mile and at night so that to me makes it seem next to impossible to have that be a commercial drone of any kind just messing around though i'm i've never piloted a drone but just watching people try to pilot drones mm-hmm. I, I, I feel like you would need to be beyond a professional if if it's even possible with what we have tech wise to do this
1: And we'll get into the types of drones that they think that they are later on. But ultimately, these types of drones, I feel like, again, I'm one of those people that's also never operated a drone. Um, My son has, but that's as close to drone maneuvering I've, I've ever seen. And. I know that they are not super easy to navigate with either. Like it's a lot of line of sight or there's a camera that's attached to it to help you determine what's going on. And so these are a hundred miles away from a coast, which it makes it, you think, go, hmm. And there's no other boats in the area that they can see. As far as I know, that makes it very interesting of how did the drones get there and who was operating them? Because you need that kind of space and, you know, obviously that radio signal to operate them. So, hmm, this is interesting
0: that gets us into some other interesting ones too because uh there are some other ships that will pop up in the area but they they each have like a little interesting report to tack on to that so that encounter winds up being 90 minutes in total way past the 30 or so minutes we can keep one of these commercial drones in the air night two july 15th so the following evening the USS Rafael Peralta spots objects and deploy Snoopy teams at 8.39 p.m. More objects in the sky. So much. If you all need to do yourselves a favor if you can and pull up some of these ship blogs that go along with it because there were so many pieces of activity going on um, for the USS Russell in, sp- in particular on this night that I, I didn't even bother to make notes of them. I just took the photo or like, just grabbed the photo for our notes because they're spotting these drones left, right, and center over these ships. So we got the Rafael Peralta spotting objects and deploying their Snoopy teams at eight thirty-nine. We had the USS Kid spotting drones and deploying their Snoopy teams just before nine p.m. It was like uh, like eight fifty-two or eight fifty-six or something like that. Uh, by nine twenty p.m., the U.S. Uh, USS Kid log simply remarks: that "There's multiple UAVs around the ship." And then I took this quote out because in the log, it actually says there's multiple uAVs above the ship. They crossed that out and wrote around. so i'm 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 kind of just like curious if they were buzzing the ship to what degree uh, if that was mm-hmm. just kind of a slip of the hand or or what it might be. But ultimately, we're getting a lot of activity that's starting to mount. And this is just like quick minute. Uh, beyond that, here's another interesting one we don't have the answer to, but the u s s kid has a note in there to man mark 87 stations at 2124 and these mark 87 stations the drive pulls out a couple explanations they're most likely is that it's this mk-20 electro optical sighting system or the eoss helps the destroyer aim its main five or it's a five inch guns it's a very big surveillance piece So that makes sense. They might have been using that to actually hone in on these targets and like figure out what they are, try and learn a little Mm -hmm. bit more. The next one is it could mean these 25 millimeter 87 Mark 38 chain guns, which uh, can work via remote using a FLIR ball, which is kind of cool. I don't totally understand what's going on. Kind of sounds like a rail gun situation that we're (laughs) like, that one is less likely, but it's that one is still the middle option. The third option was something to do with these um, Mark 87 cables that can be used to, like, transfer supplies between ships. But they they didn't really think there was much uh, validity in that. But very interesting that they manned one of these stations regardless in response to whatever they saw. Like, it was significant enough to elicit that response.
1: That's very interesting, though. Um, so I... I don't officially know this, but, you know, when you think of FLIR, you think of like a thermal camera. Mm -hmm. So I kind of wonder if they if they did use that, if they were trying to see, you know, what they could see off of it with that kind of camera. I don't know. I don't know what a FLIR ball is. I'm assuming it's a similar type camera, but I don't really know. Um, But it's very interesting. To think that, you know, if they had to get out these things to help with surveillance to try to get a better picture, uh, that probably tells me, you know, from a civilian standpoint, that they really didn't know what was buzzing around them. Yeah, And we got four ships, did we? I mean, in this Mm -hmm. this
0: specific night, we're already up to the activity log of three ships. We had the Peralta, the Kid, and... Uh, the Russell here that are all getting really a lot of activity. So again, this isn't just like one ship either, right? It's not like one pilot in uh, an aircraft, like in some of these other encounters where it's still like a trustworthy source, but people write that off as like, oh, it's one pilot. But how about three ships worth? (laughs) How about them apples? (laughs) Like that, (laughs) that's a lot. I mean, we have even more in this, in this total list. Uh, And I'm getting ahead of myself too, because not well actually i'm not getting too far ahead of myself so let me just continue briefly it'll unveil itself in a second so the russell sees a ton of activity looking at the log their their huge reports take place between 2100 and 2152 so these these reports again these are the ones we'll have some of these in the show notes too but they say things like Drone spotted moving left to right. Drone, you know, going this direction, that uh, degrees. Like, there's just tons of reports in here. And then the Rafael Peralta gets notified by a local Carnival cruise ship, the Carnival Imagination ship, and it gets in touch with them to let them know those are not our drones that are out there, but we can see five or six of them so that now now you got you got an outside observer too now you've got a a, a commercial observer in there seeing this stuff
1: hmm. yeah <laughs> that's you know when it, you could say oh hey this is a military thing oh you know this is another country doing this or something like that but ultimately if these are you know waters that would be what we'd call military waters And there's a cruise ship that's close enough that they can see it, but they may not be officially in the military waters. At that point, it's like, okay, these are making so much of a noise. And I say noise um, in more of a figurative way than a literal way that the cruise ship is actually picking them up. And seeing what's going on, and they're like, okay, we need to let them know that this isn't us so we don't get in trouble with the military. Bingo. Um, so that's really cool. You write on the money. So yeah, this winds up being one wild
0: evening. The drone sightings actually continue with the USS Russell until 2351, which means that encounter went on from somewhere around what, 8:39 p.m. to almost midnight
1: yeah i was gonna say that's a couple of hours that's way over that 90 minute marker
0: really is like really far over that 90 minute marker and I, I i urge people to look in the document i was just sending a, a link to Pegan here really quickly for those that are familiar with los angeles you got uh southern la kind of has that little bulge that comes out and you've got catalina island off of off of that it's to the, like the south uh, south southwest ish And then these islands are just out beyond that. And this is super hubs of weird activity. It's a lot going on out there. And that's why this official investigation gets really kicked up a notch. So the drive gets a lot of this from FOIA requests. And they say the investigation starts off before the email exchange, as if the email exchange is picking up off a phone call. Uh, It's a request for more information. They've got Navy emails CC'd in with some of the Coast Guard emails uh, looking for, yeah, it's, it's Navy military emails with the United States Coast Guard. Uh, one's ac- asking about UAS activity, asking for any updates on this, this sighting. And from there, it begins to grow and grow and grow. They pick up Los Angeles FBI agents on there because a lot of this investigation, they're going about this very seriously. I think it's very easy for us as UFO people to get really excited. Um, but this is obviously an attempt to disprove anything like that and track it down. Mm-hmm. So you'd mentioned about boats in the area. There was another one, a catamaran out there by the name of Algutia. Algutia. I hope I'm not butchering that terribly. <laughs> but they were able to easily get in touch with the captain of that ship. Uh the Captain explained that they have Phantom Four drones on board, and they were only used on Sunday the fourteenth shortly after departing Los Angeles. Now these are small commercial drones, Pagan these are the ones that we
1: are going to talk mm-hmm. about, huh because they only have a twenty eight minute flight time right yes, and those are the ones that they they mentioned in the article, but these are not these look like your standard drones that you know might be roughly from you know my experience Experience of looking at them, maybe, you know, a foot, foot and a half wide at the most. So these aren't very big drones. And, you know, these, these drones that are buzzing around these, this area, they were probably large enough to be seen, obviously, several miles away by cruise ships. So it's kind of one of those things when you start really looking at it, you're like, huh, okay. And they only have a 28 minute flight time, obviously not these drones, the drones that are buzzing the Navy ships you know, 90 minutes to a couple of hours. So not the same. It's very interesting. And I think that the, I want to say a UAV for like the the military maybe only runs like three or four hours tops. Mm. I think. Don't quote me on this, y'all, because I I really don't know. I I have friends who are in the military who have flown them, but it's been a long time since we talked about it. So I want to say it's like three to four hours. But that could be totally wrong. So if, you know, somebody out there flies them or knows somebody who does and the time's wrong, please correct us. I I don't quite officially remember, but I want to say it's like three to four hours. So it's very interesting because I know they have to get close enough to wherever they're going um, to actually dispatch those drones. Hey,
0: everybody. Kyle popping in to give you a heads up about our charity for March of 2021. It's Multiple Sclerosis Awareness Month. And if you're unaware, Pagan was diagnosed with it over seven years ago. MS is an incurable autoimmune disease that causes the immune system to attack the nervous system. Being that it's Awareness Month, we wanted to do something where we could tie in the proceeds from our subscriptions on our website and give large chunks of that away to charity. So specifically, the National Multiple Sclerosis Society. If you'd like to get involved, head over to chaosandshadow.com or now named revelatornetwork.com forward slash subscribe. We're giving away large chunks of the proceeds. So even a $5 contributor gives away $2 to the charity. If you become a contributor at $20, we're giving away 10 of that. And if you're becoming a founder at 50, 30 of that goes to charity. Wonderful way to support us as a network and give money to a cause that is needed. That's the National Multiple Sclerosis Society. So go check out the article we have on the blog. Get involved. Thank you for listening. Stay safe out there. Well, I can't say too much about that myself, but I do know there was talk about it potentially being some sort of military exercise out there to which uh, one of the biggest kind of explanations away from that. I mean, it's not completely shutting the door on it, but the fact that this reached the highest branches of naval intelligence and here's where it gets even more wild Uh, So so again, we got that boat out there. They investigate. They check those things off. Uh, Navy intelligence gets more invested in this case by July 19th. And then as this investigation is kicking up on July 25th, it starts all over again while the eyes are on the situation. So, again, I I, like this is not to close the door on the military sort of answer. There is potential. There is a testing ground out there where stuff like Mm -hmm. this might be at play. And there are people out there that say that, you know, sometimes these are super high classified projects being tested on other military or, or Navy observers and such. But. Uh, this sounds uh, if you're landing on the flight deck of a, a destroyer or something like that out there or any of these these vessels that were out there, you're really impeding with their normal operations for it to make it this high up the Navy's command chain and not be resolved, but instead escalate seems all the stranger because our case on July 25th starts again on the USS kid around 1:20 a.m. when they activate their Snoopy teams and don't recall them until one fifty-two because they saw more stuff. They saw more movement. Uh, these are they're saying. I believe it looks like CO. Okay, they like a commanding officer on the main bridge coming on for their Snoopy teams. Uh, and it gets even more wild because on the thirtieth, as we look through these logs, July thirtieth, more Snoopy teams get activated at two fifteen a.m until 3.27 a.m. Again, all the while happening in the middle of this investigation that they're still reporting more
1: sightings. That's just wild. And, you know, it's kind of, The interesting thing is, my guess would be if this was a person doing it and they realized that, oh, hey, you know, the military is interested in this, there's an investigation, they're calling, you know, several boats around and really hardcore looking into this, it's gone up the chain of command. I would presume that if you were an intelligent civilian, you probably would back off so you didn't get into federal trouble. But... The investigation continues and there's more sightings and it just kind of goes, OK, this gets interesting <laughs> again. Where where are they coming from? What's going on? So I don't know. And it, it really kind of then begs the question of, are these officially, quote unquote, drones or are they something else?
0: It is a good question. And one thing I'll also point out, just just to, um, for clarification's sake for our listeners, and looking through these logs that take place on the 25th and the 30th, though the drive calls those out as, well, I, I guess I guess they actually do say away team for UAV. Um, I just wanted to be clear that this these de- these logs are not nearly as detailed um, or they don't maybe seem as as hectic as the other ones. Like the other ones had all of these different sightings and encounters listed in them. These ones are just saying away Snoopy team for UAV uh, or UAVs plural and the other one on the 30th so not sure now one thing that they uh, did say in this this article tied in with the investigation we've got the fleet area control and surveillance facility based in san diego who i guess monitors all of this activity this is that's their fleet area so they're monitoring and surveying and they were working very closely with them specifically after the investigation kicked up so For the people that survey the area to have this stuff happening while their eyes are actually tuned into the area, it leaves us with big questions as we kind of round out this episode. We were officially through, I think, all of the new details, because this is a story that's going to expand over time.
1: Yes. And the interesting thing is this happened in July of 2019. And if we skip forward a few months and go to December of 2019, in Uh, Eastern Colorado and Western Nebraska, basically the Colorado-Nebraska border, uh, there was a lot of drones that were apparently buzzing farmers out there, up to 30, and they were all flying at night. The FAA investigated. There was no presentable outcome and no answers that came out of it, but eventually they just kind of closed it and chalked it up to unexplained. And it's interesting that this all happened within, you know, a few months of each other, And there was 30 of them at night, all flying around the same time. Obviously not, you know, exactly in the same space, but fairly close. And 30, that's 30 people having to man these drones. And one of those drones was what they called in the article, the mothership, was uh, five to six feet in diameter. It was a really large drone. So we have not just the the information that's happening over in off the coast of California, but now we're having stuff that's inland and it's still unexplained. And you're pulling that from a New York Times article at that, is that right? Yes, I am. That is from a New York Times article. They also did a one with the drive as well that kind of talked about it and they, they pulled some FOIA requests in there as well. Uh, it's interesting that the FAA chief of staff um, I was speaking with an FAA uh, Administrator via email And it says not long ago we would have called These UFOs and it says yep Now everything is a drone so They don't officially know exactly What these are
0: no That's very very true and and So the so the drive And uh, their article about the USS Kid left a couple good questions and I, I, I want to shout out all of these Because those some of these ones are popping Through my mind I don't know if I would have articulated All of them uh, so big ones being the drones don't fit the bill very easily, tying in exactly with you with what you just said a second ago. Um, they actually, there's a quote, commercially available drones are not commonly capable of flying for such long durations across great distances with speeds in excess of 45 miles an hour. Based on the poll data available from the deck logs, we estimate the drones traverse at least 100 nautical miles in the July 14th incident. <laughs> so just one of those nights. Another quote goes, furthermore, the drones were able to locate and catch a destroyer traveling at 16 knots in conditions with less than one nautical mile of visibility. Equally baffling, their operators appeared to have controlled or I'm sorry, coordinated at least five to six drones simultaneously. Then there's the question of line of sight and control methods in general, which make it uh, which make the capabilities described all that much more puzzling. Which, again, ties directly in with what you were just saying a second ago, Pagan. These these encounters with these drones are bizarre because the amount of people involved, because the autonomy of the drones involved, because of the just basically from start to finish, traditional or accessible drone does not start to fill this in. But I do wonder if the word "drone" actually allows our armed forces to talk about these things without yes, being without crazy. fear
1: of being labeled crazy or um, some sort of retribution happening to them. So uh, ultimately, if that's the word that we're using now to make these reports more accessible to people without the stigma attached, then okay. Uh, but I think that we're going to have to start getting a different term for normal drones, because if that's the case and that's what we're going to use, we, we're we going to have to start di- differentiating, I think, a little bit, because obviously these two different cases, you know, states apart, don't fit the bill ultimately for regular commercial drones. I
0: agree. I agree. And the fact that uh, so many of the U.S. government's agencies that oversee the skies and the and the waters, the fact that they're thoroughly baffled by this stuff is very, very telling. Or, uh well, I, yeah, I'll say that much because clearly whatever it is ruffles enough feathers for a bunch of emails to be sent and people don't like emails and no one likes sending or receiving emails at that. So it's like <laughs> uh, for all of this extra research to be put through. And by the way, I mean, this might sound petty, but I, I do believe that I believe there's there's death taxes and one other element that will always run in humanity. And I think that is laziness. Um, we're always lazy. We're always trying to cut corners. And these emails are just filled with people on the CC line. Like all of these Navy military handles. Like there's like, in some of them, over six or so high-ranking commanders and, and stuff that are all in here. Which means, again, this is an email going to a lot of people's desks. It's like, did you see that drone that's out there? Here's the here's the information <laughs> we got back when we probed into the investigation. Nothing was found out. So, oh, I, I'm just saying there's something to the validity of it. There's something that makes this stuff go up the chain. Uh, and if if it were something very simple like maybe the military doing some some testing... I don't know. I I would think that gets resolved. But I will shout out that the drive has a little comment to that, too. They said, quote, the San Clemente Island is nearby training area for fleet to hot. I think that's like the name of the kind of the zone there. They're host to be a bevy of testing, which can include classified programs. But still, no UAV activity was scheduled um, by that command I mentioned earlier, the fleet area Mm -hmm. control and surveillance facility. Uh, So none of that was marked and the sightings continued after it was brought to the top brass. So why, 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 why?
1: There's way too many whys associated with this. And, you know, there was a lot of whys associated with the Colorado and Nebraska incidents as well. And people just don't know, you know, they, they suspected that it was military. They suspected that it was survey teams working at night, which is weird. Um, and they expected that it was like imaging, like it's almost satellite imaging for like Google or something. But anybody who's ever looked at Google Maps, it usually never takes place. Those images are never in the dark. They're never at night. They're usually during the day. So it's interesting to think that it's like, why would we use drones when satellites are just as effective and easier? So I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot of questions with this, but ultimately it happened. It happened in both locations. And... The California coast continues to be an interesting place for aerial phenomenon. I agree.
0: I agree. There's some interesting things in the comments, too. People saying, you know, this could be Chinese subs in the water having their own sort of drone tech going on out there trying to buzz um our crafts and stuff like that and they say lord help us if any smart people in the military are blaming this on ufo's from space and to that person i just out loud say like i well at least this article didn't blame it on ufo's from space and the deck logs didn't so i don't know i i definitely think the uh, idea of our adversaries uh, you know buzzing us and stuff definitely a thing that has happened in the past uh, so I, I don't know to what degree this all goes down. I'm not. I'm not in the geopolitical waters enough to know about mm-hmm. that one. But I can say, you're really pushing it. Uh, in in one sense, you know, you're really like that. That's what starts war. So I, mm, historically, having read law, like read cases of captains and all that doing stuff around the Cold War, you definitely didn't put yourself in those situations intentionally to get your people fired upon and start doomsday. So i'm like i don't know i mean i i can understand the idea of wanting to be dicks to your competitor but like is it enough to fly drones around them potentially start a war so Great. i don't think so like i don't think china would be like yeah and submarines go ahead and fly our advanced navy drones you know off of their ships because all it would take is them getting caught and then you know one one person opening fire on the other and bada a bing, but a bing, but boom. So now,
1: yeah, that's how war gets started. We don't like wars, and I know that wars are very taxing and and financially taxing, and also emotionally and physically taxing to countries. So, yes, there there have been reports of people pushing the boundaries in the past, but ultimately, it gets stopped. And the fact that you know this continued, you know, several days later, or yeah. I'm sorry, even you know, a week later. It ends up being that it's one of those things that I don't think that this is another country pushing our buttons. I think that this is something else. I think the one that's just my opinion,
0: especially over like that you mentioned over the inland states here. I, I don't think that matter, that makes nearly as much sense in those cases then. Right. Like,
1: right. Hmm. They were over farms, like literally farms in the middle of nowhere. And, you know, the, like the farmers that lived out there, they were very concerned with their privacy. Like they were calling the sheriff and saying, can I shoot these down? Which I didn't know until reading this article that apparently that's a federal offense and you can spend 20 years in jail for shooting down a drone. Don't do it, people. It's bad. Um, oh, wow. But at the same time, they were very concerned because they, these drones would literally stop and just hover over people's houses and just sit there for 30 minutes to an hour. They wouldn't do anything. They would just sit there. Huh. And then there, you know, at one point in time, I think that there was one farmer who said that there was five or six of them over his house. That's a lot of drones to have over your house. And you know, at the same time, they were 150 to like 200 feet in the air. And so they were almost just out of shooting range, but they were all appearing between sunset and about 10 p.m., which is an interesting time period and if there's 30 of them, again, that's 30 people that you have to kind of at that point realize there's 30 people sitting somewhere controlling these drones.
0: Well, I'm I'm just going to read something out from the comment section, which, again, is, is so you take this what you will. But I think this is just an interesting concept. But someone said something about um, potentiality of these being submarine controlled drones where you could actually like kind of launch them underwater to which they would come up and out. I I don't know that. I mean, this is where it all gets in this world of like crazy speculation and uncertainty because UFOs as a whole have a history of unidentified submersible objects, USOs. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've talked about that in passing here or there. So I'm not sure. And and the the truth be told, I, I guess if it comes out of the water and you don't know who sends it, it is a USO no matter what whether if it's a person underwater piloting it or it's a, uh, a something else. It'll be interesting, though, to see uh, if we get any news about this towards the Summer Pagan, because on June 1st, I believe, is the deadline for the Pentagon's release of that information regarding these unidentified something-rathers in the sky. They're supposed to yield a certain amount of information. Now, I'm not holding my breath by any means, because I'm sure it will— <laughs> I have a fear that it will just be a bunch of fluff and, like— What are you talking about in there?
1: uh, It's going to be like, here's the report and 99% of it's redacted. Yeah, (laughs) I I think.
0: uh, So to that note, something I just read the other day, which means very little to me, but thankfully they explained it in this article, was that that report that's going to come out is actually supposed to have a... uh, like, it is supposed to not be redacted. Like, it's shelled within a specific, uh, I don't know. The way it's done is that it's going to have large parts of it that can be seen intentionally. Like, that was part of the stipulation to it being drafted. So that means there could be a lot of information, but, uh, you know, how much will actually make it in there is the question. And like you said, even though with that mandate, I don't know that means that we're going to get nearly as much as we want, It would be nice to have some what of an idea, though, because I don't know, bring bring a little mystery back into the world, please. I'd like Mm -hmm. some.
1: I would love some. I'd like to know if this was I mean, ultimately, if this is a military exercise or if it was another country doing this or if it was something else, whatever the reason being, just tell me either. Hey, we don't know. We have no idea who did this. Nobody's taking responsibility for it or say so-and-so took responsibility. It was a training exercise. It was a joint training thing between our countries, whatever it may be. The military was doing some testing and ultimately like the military could say, Hey, this was a testing exercise. We cannot tell you more than that. I would be satisfied with that. I would, I'd be like, okay, that's cool. You guys are doing your thing. That's fine. No big deal. Um, but if it's something that you can't explain, just say we can't explain it. We don't know, other than just kind of leaving us in the dark.
0: <laughs> well, you know what I'll say is that we don't know what it is, but exactly. <laughs> I can also say, folks, that as as we conclude this USS Kid case for today. We have a lot going on up on the website. As a reminder, uh, interviews with Michelle Belanger, amazing friend of the show. We got Katie Webb coming up. We have Tanya Derenberger coming up. So that's going to be a lot of UFO stuff, a lot of uh, bringing back around a little bit of the Mothman stuff with Tanya Derenberger, getting some of that injured cold in there. And then we are going to be picking up the pace as summer comes through because we've been invited to participate in a ton of events this summer. Uh, we'll keep you mm-hmm. posted on those. But that means a lot of reviews up on the blog and a lot of interviews with folks out there. So please do not be a stranger. We have that contact section on the website uh, for things for things just like this. If you have questions for our guests or if you have questions about bringing on a potential guest, if there's someone you'd like to see us Reach out to interview in the future. Get in touch. We absolutely have a space for that. Pagan's got her own podcast going on as well through the Revelator do- Network. Want to tell them about it, Pagan? What's the name of that?
1: Uh, well, that would be Pagan's Butchy Corner. And we had a brand new episode launch today. Today's the 28th. Uh, the That is Sunday. Every Sunday, we have a brand new episode come out with that. Today's is a sleep meditation. So if you are somebody who... Has insomnia, or just has a hard time falling asleep, or just having a hard time getting your brain to shut the hell up. Believe (laughs) me, that happens to me quite a bit. That's why I created this meditation. Uh, It is a wonderful meditation. It won't take a whole lot of your time, and it's great. And last week's episode was a lot of fun too. We did an Ostara ritual. Very simple, but it was wonderful about finding balance and bringing a little more balance into your life is Persephone returns to us. So if that's your cup of tea, please go check it out. Don't forget to subscribe. It's available on all of your favorite podcast platforms, Spotify, Google, Amazon, iTunes, all of them. So definitely go check them out. And that's my my show (laughs) that's
0: pagan's show that's her spiel it is a great reminder yeah go subscribe to pagan's witchy corner subscribe to all the shows you're seeing on the top bar of the revelator podcast network because this is going to be a direct ask to everyone out there it's completely free too if you can't support the Uh show through your your own financial means i can tell you that we have some sponsors that are very interested in working with us we just need to get this show to a higher listenership to be in their bracket of people they can work with so again if you got other apps out there subscribe Subscribe on whatever you listen on. Uh, Get your friends, your family subscribed. Uh, Friend groups are the best for this sort of thing because I know us paranormal folks are very clicky. We all have our groups that we run with on the regular and chat with, share our information. So share this show with them. Send over an episode of something you enjoy and I will encourage you to go up there to the website revelatornetwork.com. Use that big old search bar. It actually works and pulls you really, really good things. So if there's a case you want to know more about like UFOs, Mothman, whatever, type it into that bar something will come up there and pagan i want to thank you for your time on this episode this was lovely this was kind of our it was. little relaxed fit we got to stick in here kind of a last moment thing as we were working on a bunch of other projects uh, also both of us kind of had a down and out week with our just ailments across the board so <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh thank you everyone listening for let us letting us have this kind of random spin-off episode that was fun um, but stay safe out there, everyone. Still trying times. Uh, get in touch with us. Don't be a stranger. Follow us. We're both on Twitter. Uh, I'm yes. at Kyle Paranormal. Pagan, what's your Twitter handle for him?
1: It is PaganWolf underscore 13. PaganWolf underscore 13.
0: And as uh, always, these are going to be in the show notes for you. So just click into the description of this episode. Go up to the About Us section on the website. All the information you could ever want. Uh, Is gonna be there. So, folks, stay safe. Stay tuned. Lots of cool stuff coming.
1: We'll talk to you soon. Bye, 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 bye.